Fair Use Notice. This channel may make use of copyrighted material, the use of which has not always been specifically authorized by the copyright owner. This constitutes a fair use of any such copyrighted material as provided for in Section 107 of the U.S. Copyright Law. In accordance with Title 17 U.S.C. Section 107, the material on this channel is offered is offered publicly and without profit to the public users of the internet for comment and nonprofit educational and informational purposes. Copyright disclaimer under Section 107 of the Copyright Act 1976, allowance is made for fair use for purposes such as criticism, comment, news reporting, teaching, scholarships, and research. Fair use is a use permitted. No copyrights is are claimed. The content is broadcast for study, research, and educational purposes. The broadcaster gains no profit from broadcasted content, so it falls under fair use guidelines, www.copyright.gov. And we'll be right back. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the authors and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of my fabulous sponsors or advertisers. Any content provided by our bloggers or authors are of their opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. This disclaimer was provided by DisclaimerTemplate.com. Hello, my lovely, loyal listeners. It is Thursday, almost Friday. But right now, technically, at the beginning of this recording, it is still Thursday. So we're going with Thursday, Thursday, October 28th, 2021, the last Thursday in October. Now, this is Just Miss Rose. And on this episode of Just Miss Rose, we are going to be still driving down the road and we're still kind of like on the conflict resolution how to handle bullying type of situation so what we're going to do is we're going to pull up on one of these side streets like we did yesterday and we're going to see whatever happens so just like real life this is random miss rose i love you for listening and we'll be right back with today's exciting Uh, programming. (laughs) I love you for listening. We'll be right back. It's time for Dictionary Definition of the Day. (laughs) 
Today's dictionary definition word of the day brought to you by Oxford Languages is conflict. It's a noun, a serious disagreement or argument, typically a protracted one. It's also a verb, be incompatible or at variance, clash, conflict, and we'll be right back. Right, my lovely loyal listeners, we are on the website healthline.com and we are reading the article entitled Conflict Avoidance Doesn't Do You Any Favors. This was medically reviewed by Timothy J. Legg, PhD, CRNP, written by Cindy Lamoth on March 30th, 2020. What is it? Imagine this scenario. You've been working hard on a presentation for several weeks, spending extra hours trying to get everything just right. You've overseen every detail and even woke up early to prepare for today's meeting with your boss. Now imagine a coworker interjecting and taking all the credit for your work. But instead of being in touch with your anger and rightly speaking up, you choose to silently withdraw. Being conflict avoidant means exactly that. Being afraid of possible disagreements at all costs. Aside from our work life, Avoiding conflict can manifest can manifest in our romantic relationships, friendships, and even fam- and even family dynamics. While getting out of these damaging patterns is tricky, there are ways to move forward in the face of our fears and express our emotions authentically. What it looks like Conflict avoidance is a type of people-pleasing behavior that typically arises from a deep-rooted fear of upsetting others. Many of these tendencies can be traced back to growing up in an environment that was dismissive or hypercritical. People who respond to conflict this way often expect negative outcomes and find it difficult to trust the other person's reaction. In other words, asserting your opinion can seem scary or unnerving. You prefer to be seen as the nice person at work, for example, or may shy away from open, healthy conflict so as not to rock the boat. In a relationship, this can look like going silent on a partner, changing the subject, or enduring uncomfortable situations instead of expressing issues openly. Here are some examples of how this may manifest. Stonewalling or denying an issue exists by ignoring it, Fear of disappointing others. Deliberately sidestepping conversations. 
silently presenting unresolved issues. Why it's not helpful. When you avoid the slightest disagreement, you're compromising your true feelings and storing up frustration that can end up negatively affecting your health. One 2013 study found that bottling up our emotions can increase the risk of premature death, including death from cancer. Laughing nervously or plastering a fake smile on our face instead of acknowledging distressing emotions can also lead to feelings of loneliness and depression. Being conflict avoidant also impacts our relationships because we're cutting off all honest communication with the other person. While avoidance sometimes seems like the best way to deal with conflict, in the long run, it ends up harming our intimacy. Strategies for overcoming it. Recognize any of the above signs in yourself. The below tips can help you deal with an issue more assertively. Reframe confrontation. Disagreeing with someone doesn't necessarily mean fighting. Keep in mind that it's not about blaming the other person or proving who's right and wrong in a given situation. Conflict resolution is about standing up for yourself and communicating when you feel angry or frustrated. It's also about ensuring that problematic issues like the one with your coworker are dealt with so they don't happen again in the future. Make a plan. Having a plan set before confronting someone can help you feel more prepared in the moment. Rehearse concise points you'd like to get across to a boss or colleague so you'll feel confident when addressing them. Clearly define what you'd like to resolve before the confrontation and write down canned, factual responses to use when needed. I worked late for the past two weeks while my coworker didn't turn in their share of the research. Use your senses to quickly relieve stress. Stay centered in a distressing situation by focusing and drawing upon your sensory toolbox, sight, sound, touch, taste, and smell. This will allow you to remain relaxed and in control of yourself during tense moments. If you're a visual person, for example, you can relieve stress by closing your eyes and imagining soothing images. Similarly, if you're more comforted by smells, you can keep an essential oil on hand to take a quick whiff of when you're feeling anxious. Recognize and manage your feelings. Being aware of how your emotions impact you can help you gain a greater understanding of yourself and others. 
Before confronting someone, try examining and questioning your feelings. Instead of trying to sedate emotions like anger, sadness, or fear, try looking at them through the lens of self-compassion and allowing yourself to see your negative thoughts with empathy. You can try practicing the following affirmations. It's okay to feel however I'm feeling at this moment. My emotions are valid. I am worthy and deserving of being heard. All of my experiences, good and bad, give me the space to grow. Resolve issues in real time. Rather than endlessly ruminate and allow conflicts to fester in your head, try taking a more assertive approach. You can start by stating the issue non-emotionally and using fact-based sentences like, it appears I worked very hard on this project and yet my name was left out of the presentation. Avoid being accusatory or defensive when approaching the co-worker who took all the credit for your work. Instead, say, I'd appreciate it if, going forward, we use both our names on the project and include each other on all emails to our supervisor. When to get help. While it can be tempting to bottle up feelings like anger and frustration by not rocking the boat, conflict avoidance tendencies can take a toll on your mental health. Leaving conflicts unresolved leads to pent-up frustration and a greater sense of loneliness that can build up over time. Speaking to a qualified therapist can help you learn how to better manage your negative emotions you can work together on resolving conflicts more productively. The bottom line. Some form of conflict is a normal part of our personal and professional lives. While it's okay to never be completely comfortable with confrontation, being able to resolve issues effectively means accepting it as a healthy part of communicating with others. Remember that disagreeing provides deeper understanding and makes it easier to connect with our friends, partners, and co-workers. Learning how to confront someone assertively won't happen overnight, but you can still take small steps each day toward feeling more comfortable facing your fears and speaking up for yourself. Cindy Lamoth is a freelance journalist based in Guatemala. She writes often about the intersections between health, wellness, and the science of human behavior. She's written for The Atlantic, New York Magazine, Teen Vogue, Quartz, The Washington Post, and many more. Find her at cindylamoth.com. And we'd like to thank Ms. Lamoth for her 
lovely article, Conflict Avoidance Doesn't Do You Any Favors. That was written March 30th, 2020. And we'll be right back with another exciting article. This is Just Miss Rose. I love you for listening. All right, my lovely loyal listeners. We are back and we are on the website called clearreview.com under their back to blog tab. And this article is entitled Addressing Conflict Avoidance in the Workplace by Stuart Hearn on April 17th, 2017. Conflict is a performance management issue that needs to be addressed, not ignored. At first, conflict avoidance might sound like a good thing. After all, so many of us naturally avoid conflict in one way or another. But there is a difference between creating a healthy environment where conflict is rare and avoiding conflict when it presents itself. The former is a wise human resources move. The latter is a mistake that comes at a high price for companies. Many employees want to be seen as pleasant and easygoing. So, so much so, that they do anything to avoid a fight. They do this with all the goodwill in the world. But unfortunately, this makes them just as responsible as aggressive colleagues when it comes to creating a negative working environment. Conflict is a part of every workplace, and that's okay. It's when we avoid conflict that problems arise. We aren't able to address concerns that need addressing, decision-making is delayed, and managers are unable to improve existing processes in a healthy manner. How our brains handle conflict, the science of conflict avoidance. You might have heard that human beings are innately social creatures, and this is the truth. Our desire to be accepted, to be part of the tribe, is hardwired into us and it influences so many of our day-to-day decisions. We want to belong. We fear being ostracized, which leads to a fear of conflict. Though on a practical level, we might understand that conflict avoidance is unhealthy and can escalate, our natural tendency is to take the easier road and to let things slide, making us naturally conflict avoidant. When we encounter conflict, the animalistic instincts in our limbic system kicks into gear, undermining communication and teamwork. Even managers are guilty of this behavior. They often put off getting involved in conflict between team members. But conflict management is an important leadership trait for the modern manager and one we will be discussing shortly. 
Why conflict avoidance is harmful to business. The Thomas Kilman grid looks upon conflict avoidance as a lose-lose proposition, given that it doesn't serve to address the issue at hand. After all, if problems are never raised, how can our businesses ever improve? The negative side of conflict avoidance are often high turnover, a dysfunctional working environment, strained communications, a loss of productivity, and impaired teamwork. Your company reputation will also suffer, making it all the more difficult to recruit top performers in the future. For these reasons, conflict avoidance and interpersonal conflict is a performance management issue that all HR execs should address. The main examples of conflict avoidance in the workplace. Organizations will not be able to succeed in the long term without addressing conflict head on. The ability to recognize conflict and to make steps towards conflict resolution will be a huge benefit to any company. To do this, we must first understand the different forms that conflict avoidance takes. Below, we'll explore the three main manifestations of conflict avoidance in the workplace. One, simply ignoring the issue at hand. A common form of conflict avoidance is to deny there's an issue at all. As an example, two colleagues might disagree regarding an approach to a particular problem. Both feel passionately about their solution, and yet, rather rather than insisting they explore the pros and cons of each avenue, one party simply backs down and refuses to assert themselves. They might have a legitimate argument, so refraining from honest discussion does nothing for the company in terms of productive in terms of productivity and progress. Another example might be if one employee feels they are the victim of workplace bullying but doesn't take the initiative to discuss it with their manager or HR. They may, they might insist they are fine and there is no problem. But as the root cause isn't being addressed, they will ultimately suffer from a loss of morale and productivity. Number two, a change of conversation. Another form of conflict avoidance is sidestepping. This is a diversionary tactic and a surefire way of ensuring no issues ever get resolved as whenever a particular issue is brought up, the employee in question changes the conversation or raises other unrelated issues. For example, during a one-on-one performance discussion, a manager might ask an employee about their goal progress and why they haven't been able to hit their targets for a particular objective. 
In response, the employee might derail the conversation to discuss a completely unrelated matter or raise tangible issues that don't progress the conversation. Number three, complete withdrawal from the situation. This is a common form of conflict avoidance, particularly for introverts. When difficult or adversarial conversations present themselves, the employee might appear to close down. People who use this coping strategy often feel their approach is beneficial as they aren't outwardly aggressive. However, a silent approach can be just as damaging in the long run as they are failing to address the issue at hand. This approach of complete disengagement means nothing of value is contributed. The employee may be waiting for the storm to pass, pass, but in all likelihood, if a particular topic is at all anxiety-provoking, they won't be inclined to visit it later, even when emotions have died down. How to address conflict avoidance and embrace conflict in your organization. It is clear that from a performance management and employee relations point of view, that workplace conflict needs to be addressed head on. Employees need to feel valued and listened to, and companies must handle conflict in a structured way. The situation needs to be resolved through open, honest communication and frank exchange of ideas. Co-workers should be able to voice their opinions and concerns in the spirit of progress and problem-solving without fear of being placed in the firing line. This is where leaders can step in and offer conflict management. The HR department needs to offer services to help resolve pressing issues in a calm, relaxed space. Take the following steps to begin to resolve conflict and eliminate conflict avoidance in your organization. And we'll be right back with the following steps. Take the following steps to begin to resolve conflict and eliminate conflict avoidance in your organization. Number one. Implement frequent manager check-ins. Regular, authentic conversation can improve many aspects of work life. Importantly, it can also help in terms of conflict resolution. Managers should be encouraged to meet frequently with their employees so staff get to know their leaders, develop familiarity, and become more comfortable having difficult conversations. Implementation of regular check-ins and coaching conversations will help to create a culture of direct, fluid communication while demonstrating to everyone involved that their opinion is heard, respected, and valued. Number two, 
give your employees access to communication tools. Technology has changed the way we communicate in the workplace. It is also helping give voice to certain employees who might not feel comfortable speaking up in person. With team communication software such as Slack, employees can give themselves time to calmly and rationally frame an argument or an idea so that it comes off as constructive, not confrontational. This can help to build an open environment where contrary opinions are explored and shared. Number three. Show, (laughs) I lost my spot again. Show your employees it is healthy to debate and disagree. It can take time to change company culture, but it's worth it in the long run. Help your employees reframe conflict as something constructive. We don't want conflict to be aggressive or unnecessarily confrontational. But debate and disagreement can be useful and beneficial for business. It can help if you demonstrate to your employees that management value variance of opinion. Employees should feel on solid ground and be secure in the knowledge that if they stand up against an idea or process, they won't have to worry about their job. Ultimately, companies should work towards minimizing conflict through clarity and transparency. Organizations should develop clear company objectives and articulate the company's vision to their team members. This will help to get employees united, engaged, and driven to accomplish it. When employees have a firm idea of what they are meant to do and the direction they are heading in, conflict becomes less ubiquitous as everyone is working towards the same goal. Find out how Clear Review can help. Book a personal de- uh, book a personal demo of Clear Review a modern performance management software system to boost your company's efficiency, employee communication, and productivity. And we would like to thank Clear Review for their riveting article, Addressing Conflict Avoidance in the Workplace. And that was written by Stuart Hearn on April 17, 2017. And that is the end of that article you guys and this is just miss rose and as we all know this is season two so this article is not going to be the last one we will be moving on to the next one right after this brief pause for the cause you know i love you for listening don't you i really really do we'll be right back after this brief pause for the cause All right, my lovely, loyal listeners, we are back and we are on a website called roughnotes.com. And this article was written July 27th, 2021 at 937. 
Management by Coaching by Kimberly Patterson, CEC. This article is entitled, The Bad Habit, Avoiding Conflict, Overcoming the Destructive Behavior That Can End a Promising Career. It was 5.15 on Thursday evening. Josh was still at his desk fixing a report submitted by his teammate, Barb. The report was three days late and filled with typos and incorrect information. The document reflected on the entire team and Josh was uncomfortable forwarding it to his manager. To add insult to injury, Barb had waltzed out of the office 45 minutes earlier without any apology for the late report. Josh was fuming. He felt the familiar throbbing pain on the right side of his head, signaling, 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 y'all know what, signaling another migraine. He'd had it with Barb. Overconfident in her position as the senior person on the team, she seldom pulled her weight. Josh was constantly cleaning up her backlog, handling her client calls while she took extended lunches, lunch hours, and compensating for her shortcomings. Peacekeepers tell themselves that avoiding conflict keeps relationships on an even keel and preserves the orderly function of the organization. In fact, the opposite is is true. As frustrated as he was, Josh tolerated Barb's behavior. In his eyes, confronting her was not an option. It was simply too high a risk. Barb was not someone you questioned. She was forceful, aggressive, and when challenged, gave the appearance she might go ballistic at any second. Josh is what is often referred to as a peacekeeper personality. Someone who is committed to avoiding conflict at all costs. It's important to differentiate between peacekeepers and peacemakers. Peacemakers are people who recognize when a conflict has gone far enough and try to find ways to bring it to a successful resolution. Peacemakers act by rational choice. Peacekeepers do whatever they can to keep conflict from rising to begin with. They act out of fear and compulsion. By suppressing their natural reactions and emotions, they increase tension in groups and relationships by sweeping unvoiced feelings under the rug. According to James Waldrop, Ph.D., and Timothy Butler, Ph.D., directors of MBA Career Development at Harvard Business School, avoiding conflict is one of 
12 discrete behavior patterns that consistently derail careers or get people fired. The behaviors are consistent from one industry to another, from the lowest to the highest level employees. For two of the other 12 patterns, see Rough Notes April 2021, The Bulldozer, and Rough Notes June 2021, Never Feeling Good Enough. Spotting the Conflict Avoidance Pattern. Peacekeepers are phobic about the possibility of confrontation. They are paralyzed by the uncertainty of how things may turn out. They worry that things will spin out of control and that people may say something that will permanently damage relationships. As a result, someone may be hurt, quit, cry, get angry, or have a meltdown. Peacekeepers think that avoiding conflict keeps relationships on an even keel and preserves the orderly function of the organization. The opposite is true. The inability to surface issues, disagree, and productively resolve conflict ultimately undermines relationships and teams and can become destructive to the organization. Circumventing confrontation is their form of self-protection. They say they put people's feelings first, but in reality, they put suppressing feelings first. The peacekeeper pattern is especially apparent and problematic when people step into leadership roles. Peacekeepers have a high need to be liked. They don't take risk, fight for resources, advocate for their team, confront peers when things aren't working, or address direct reports, performance issues. High-performing employees who report to peacekeeper managers tend to jump ship and seek opportunities elsewhere. Peacekeepers, peacekeeper leaders suppress their true thoughts and feelings to avoid conflict. They like everyone and agree with everything. People never know what they think. As a result, they're often viewed as weak and untrustworthy by their managers, peers, and direct reports. How the organization is impacted. Conflict avoidance exists in all levels of the organization, from frontline workers and managers to senior leaders and boards of directors. In some organizations, it's deeply embedded in the culture. The price tag to both individuals and the organization is steep. Limits on growth potential. The clash of opposing ideas and strategies is a dynamic, creative process that reveals the strengths and weaknesses 
and weaknesses that can ultimately produce better outcomes. People who go out of their way to avoid conflict often suppress creative ideas that might improve the organization. They fear pushback or resistance from people who might feel threatened or oppose the idea for other reasons. Peacekeepers handcuff themselves as they worry about other people reacting negatively. They become conservative in their thinking in order to minimize the risk of conflict. When in a leadership role, the individual may stifle others' creativity and encourage status quo thinking. By avoiding controversial topics, opportunities are squandered through inaction. Underperforming employees. Leaders who are uncomfortable with conflict tend to avoid sharing the direct feedback their people need to perform at their highest level. In their desire to keep the peace, they tend to overlook bad behavior, which hurts their credibility and creates tension among team members. Reduced productivity. Managers report that they spend anywhere from 20 to 40% of their time dealing with conflict. When conflict is unresolved, people engage in resource-sapping avoidance tactics, including ruminating excessively about crucial issues, complaining, getting angry, doing unnecessary work, and avoiding the other person altogether. This time is wasted because it detracts from important work and doesn't lead to resolution. And we'll be right back with the rest of this exciting article. Mistakes. Healthy conflict is necessary for teams to learn from past mistakes. Take decisive action and tap into the entire team's talent and experience. When people avoid conflict, mistakes that might have been exposed or resolved through open debate go undiscovered and unfixed. Missed time from work. A study commissioned by CPP Incorporated, the publishers of the Myers-Briggs Assessment, revealed that 25% of employees said that avoiding conflict led to sickness or absence from work. Higher employee turnover. The CPP Inc. study also indicated that one-third of respondents said that conflict resulted in someone leaving the company either through firing or quitting. Root cause of the behavior. Like most deeply ingrained behavior, the peacekeeper pattern typically begins in childhood. It equally impacts men and women. A common cause is a child lacking positive role models for for surfacing and resolving conflict. 
kids may receive the message that we don't argue or we don't talk about our feelings or if you don't have something nice to say, don't say it. The flip side of the coin is that the family may constantly be in conflict, arguing but never resolving anything. A healthy attitude about conflict comes from seeing people voice their feelings, disagree, get angry, find some resolution, and still like, respect, or love each other when things cool down. A weak sense of self also contributes. This person fears they won't be able to get their point across in the face of opposition. Think of an introverted child with seven extroverted brothers and sisters who could never get a word in at the dinner table. At an early age, the child may give up fighting to be heard. Another cause is growing up something up a loner on the fringe of the family. Think child prodigy violinist born into a family of athletes who live, eat, and drink sports. Always feeling like the outsider, this child craves acceptance. That unmet need can be exacerbated in adulthood in settings where the individual is a minority in terms of race, gender, or socioeconomic status. Coaching a peacekeeper. If you choose to do the coaching yourself, keep two fundamental goals in mind. One, desensitize the person to conflict, and two, build their skills at handling conflict. Like someone afraid of flying or terrified of spiders, the peacekeeper is phobic about conflict. Logic won't calm their anxiety or remove their fear. Here are four techniques that work. One, allay their fear that they need to change from a conflict avoider to a conflict seeker. People worry they'll be asked to become something they're not or end up being like the people they dislike. Explain that there are some situations where they'll need to behave more like a lion and less like a lamb. That doesn't mean changing who they are. Two, start with observation. Ask them to identify some coworkers who don't shy away from conflict and then spend time observing them when conflict arises. How do they talk? What is their body language? How do they approach others? If there is one person in the group they admire, have them pay special attention to that individual. In addition to gaining information, this begins the the desensitization process by enabling the individual to get closer to conflict without feeling threatened. Number three, learn post-conflict follow-up. Peacekeepers feel irreparable damage to relationships. Fear. 
show them how to normalize relationships after a conflict has occurred. The indirect way is to stop in the colleague's office or call if working remotely. Re-establish the relationship by talking briefly about a business topic or something unrelated to business. For example, how is your husband doing after his knee surgery? Or, I see your son's team made the state finals. The key is to reestablish your connection. If the conflict was really heated, being direct works best. Say something like, things got pretty heated in there today. I want you to know that I appreciate your concerns. In this case, we just see things differently. I value our relationship and want to make sure we're okay. If we're not, I want to do whatever we need to do to get okay. Number four, build the muscle. Behavior change is most effective when people gradually build the muscle they need to strengthen. An effective way to begin is to have the person list the situations and people they avoid conflict with at work and home and rank the list from most to least difficult. Start with the easiest item on the list and have the individual script out what they would really like to say to that person or in that situation. Next, work with the coachee to get the dialogue right. Starting with easier interactions and gradually tacking the tougher ones helps to desensitize conflict. Repeated practice develops the muscle and the coachee's confidence that they can successfully manage conflict. While peacekeepers may be extreme in their aversion to conflict, they are not alone. According to a study conducted by authors of the New York Times best-selling book, Crucial Conversations, 95% of an organization's workforce struggles to speak up to their colleagues about their concerns. Leaders who take the time to coach and model healthy conflict will reap the rewards of increased employee engagement and loyalty and a more productive work environment. The author, Kimberly Patterson, certified executive coach and master energy leadership coach, is president of CMI, WWWC. I apologize, let me do that again. Kimberly Patterson, certified executive coach and master energy leadership coach, is president of CIM www.cim-co-.com. CIM works with organizations and individuals to maximize performance through positive, lasting behavioral change. Her clients are property and casualty insurance companies, agencies, and brokers. She can be reached at kpatterson at cim-co.com. Follow Kimberly on www.linkedin.com forward slash n forward slash 
Kimberly-Patterson and Twitter.com forward slash CIM Change Minds. And we would like to thank Miss Patterson for her informative article, The Bad Habit, Avoiding Conflict, Overcoming the Destructive Behavior That Can End a Promising Career. And we'll be right back with another exciting article. I love you for listening. All right, my lovely, loyal listeners, in this final hour of Just Miss Rose, we are going back to Healthline.com and we are going to read an article entitled How to Recognize the Signs of Emotional Manipulation and What to Do. Medically reviewed by Timothy J. Legg, PhD, CRNP, written by Kimberly. Holland on February 13th, 2018. Things to consider. Emotional manipulators often use mind games to seize power in a relationship. The ultimate goal is to use that power to control the other person. A healthy relationship is based on trust, understanding, and mutual respect. This is true of personal relationships as well as professional ones. Sometimes people seek to exploit these elements of a relationship in order to benefit themselves in some way. The signs of emotional manipulation can be subtle. They're often hard to identify, especially when they're happening to you. That doesn't mean that it's your fault. No one deserves to be manipulated. You can learn to recognize the manipulation and stop it. You can also learn to protect your self-esteem and sanity too. We'll review common forms of emotional manipulation, how to recognize them, and what you can do next. They maintain home court advantage. Being in your home turf, whether it's your actual home or just a favorite coffee shop, can be empowering. If the other individuals always insist on meeting in their realm, they may be trying to create an imbalance of power. They claim ownership of that space which leaves you at a disadvantage. For example, walk over to my office when you can. I'm far too busy to trek over to you. You know how far of a drive that is for me? Come over here tonight. They get too close too quickly. Emotional manipulators may skip a few steps in the traditional get-to-know-you phase. They share their darkest secrets and vulnerabilities. What they're really doing, however, is trying to make you feel special so that you divulge your secrets. They can use these sensitivities against you later. 
for example, I feel like we're just connected on a really deep level. I've never had this happen before. I've never had someone share their vision with me like you have. We're really meant to be in this together. They let you speak first. This is a popular tactic with some business relationships, but it can happen in personal ones too. When one person wants to establish control, they may ask probing questions so that you share your thoughts and concerns early. With their hidden agenda in mind, they can then use your answers to manipulate your decisions. For example, gosh, I never heard good things about that company. What was your experience? Well, you're just going to have to explain to me why you're mad at me again. They twist the facts. Emotional manipulators are masters at altering reality with lies, fibs, or misstatements in order to confuse you. They may exaggerate events to make themselves seem more vulnerable. They may also understate their role in a conflict in order to gain your sympathy. For example, I asked a question about the project and she came at me yelling about how I never did anything to help her. But you know I do, right? I cried all night and didn't sleep a wink. They engage in intellectual bullying. If someone overwhelms you with statistics, jargon, or facts when you ask a question, you may be experiencing a type of emotional manipulation. Some manipulators presume to be the expert and they impose their knowledge on you. This is particularly common in financial or sales situations. For example, you're new to this, so I wouldn't expect you to understand. I know there are a lot of numbers for you, so I'll go through. I know these are a lot of numbers for you, so I'll go through this again slowly. They engage in bureaucratic bullying. Also in the business setting, emotional manipulators may try to weigh you down with paperwork, red tape, procedures, or anything they can get that can get in your way. This is a particular possibility if you express scrutiny or ask questions that draw their flaws or weaknesses into question. For example, this will be way too difficult for you. I'd just stop now and save yourself the effort. You don't have any idea the headache you're creating for yourself. They make you feel sorry for voicing concerns. If you ask questions or make a suggestion, an emotional manipulator 
will likely respond in an aggressive manner to try to draw you into an argument. This strategy allows them to control your choices and influence your decisions. They may also use the situation to make you feel guilty for expressing your concerns in the first place. For example, I don't understand why you don't just trust me. You know I'm just an anxious person. I can't help it if I want to know where you are at all times. They diminish your problems and play up their own. If you had a bad day, an emotional manipulator may take the opportunity to bring up their own issues. The goal is to invalidate what you're experiencing so that you're forced to focus on them and exert your emotional energy on their problems. For example, you think that's bad? You don't have to deal with a cute mate who talks on the phone all the time. Be thankful you have a brother. I've felt alone all my life. They act like a martyr. Someone who manipulates people's emotions may eagerly agree to help with something, but then turn around and drag their feet or look for ways to avoid their agreement. They may act like it's ended up being a huge burden and they'll seek to exploit your emotions in order to get out of it. For example, I know you need this from me. This is just a lot and I'm already overwhelmed. This is harder than it looks. I don't think you knew that when you asked me. They're always just joking when they say something rude or mean. Critical remarks may be disguised as humor or sarcasm. They may pretend they're saying something in jest when what they're really trying to do is plant a seed of doubt. For example, geez, you look exhausted. Well, if you'd get up from your desk some and walk around, you wouldn't get out of breath so easily. And we'll be right back in just a moment. They don't take accountability. Emotional manipulators will never accept responsibility for their errors. They will, however, Try to find a way to make you feel guilty for everything, from a fight to a failed project. You may end up apologizing, even if they're the one at fault. For example, I only did it because I love you so much. If you hadn't gone to your kid's awards program, you could have finished the project the right way. They always one appeal. When you're elated, they find a reason to take the spotlight away from you. This can also happen in a negative sense. 
When you've had a tragedy or setback, an emotional manipulator may try to make their problems seem worse or more pressing. For example, your pay increase is great, but did you see someone else got a full promotion? I'm sorry your grandfather passed. I lost both of my grandparents in two weeks, so at least it's not that bad. They're always criticizing you. Emotional manipulators may dismiss or degrade you without the pretense of jest or sarcasm. Their comments are designed to chip away at your self-esteem. They're meant to they're meant to ridicule and marginalize you. Often the manipulator is projecting their own insecurities. For example, don't you think that dress is a little revealing for a client meeting? I guess that's one way to get the account. All you do is eat. They use your insecurities against you. When they know your weak spots, they can use them to wound you. They may make comments and take actions that are meant to leave you feeling vulnerable and upset. For example, you said you'd never want your kids to grow up in a broken home. Look what you're doing to them now. This is a tough audience. I'd be nervous if I was you. They use your feelings against you. If you're upset, Someone who who is manipulating you may try to make you feel guilty for your feelings. This may they may accuse you of being unreasonable or not being adequately invested. For example, if you really loved me, you'd never question me. I couldn't take that job. I wouldn't want to be away from my kids so much. They use guilt trips or ultimatums. During a disagreement or fight, a manipulative person will make dramatic statements that are meant to put you in a difficult spot. They'll target emotional weaknesses with inflammatory statements in order to elicit an apology. For example, if you leave me, I don't deserve to live. If you can't be here this weekend, I think it shows your level of dedication to your office, to this office. They're passive aggressive. A passive aggressive person may sidestep confrontation. They use people around you, such as friends, to communicate with you instead. They may also talk behind your back to co-workers. For example, I'd talk about this, but I know you're so busy. I thought it was better if you heard it from someone else, not me, since we're so close. They give you the silent treatment. They don't respond to your calls, emails, direct messages, or any form of communication. They use the silence to gain control and make you feel responsible for their behavior. 
They say or do something and later deny it. This technique is meant to make you question your memory of events. When you no longer feel certain about what happened, they can pinpoint the problem on you, making you feel responsible for the misunderstanding. For example, I never said that. You're imagining things again. I wouldn't commit to that. You know I'm far too busy. They're always too calm, especially in times of crisis. Manipulative individuals often have a reaction opposite of the person they're manipulating. This is especially true in emotionally charged situations. That's so they can use your reaction as a way to make you feel too sensitive. You then gauge your reaction based on theirs and decide you were out of line. For example, you saw that everyone else was calm. You just got too upset. I didn't want to say anything, but you seemed a little out of control. They leave you questioning your own sanity. Gaslighting is a manipulative method with which people try to make you believe that you can no longer trust your own instincts or experience. They make you believe things that did happen are a figment of your imagination. You lose a sense of reality. For example, Everyone knows that's not how this works. I wasn't late. You just forgot what time I said I'd be there. What to do? It may take time to realize someone's, someone is emotionally manipulating you. The signs are subtle and they often evolve over time. But if you think you're being treated in this way, trust your instincts. Apologize for your part, then move on. You likely won't get an apology, but you don't have to dwell on it either. Own up to what you know you did as a matter of fact, and then say nothing of the other accusations. Don't try to beat them. Two people shouldn't play this game. Instead, learn to recognize the strategies so you can properly prepare your responses. Set boundaries. When a manipulative person realizes they're losing control, their tactics may grow more desperate. This is the time for you to make some difficult decisions. If you don't have to be near that person, consider cutting them out of your life entirely. If you live with them or work together closely, you'll need to learn techniques for managing them. You may find it helpful to speak to a therapist or counselor about how to handle the situation. You could also recruit a trusted friend or family member to help you identify the behavior and enforce boundaries. Outlook. No one deserves to have another individual treat them in this manner. Emotional manipulation may not leave physical scars, but it can still have a long-lasting effect. You can heal from this and you can grow from it too.
A therapist or counselor can help you recognize patterns that are dangerous. They can then help you learn ways to confront the behavior and hopefully stop it. If you're in the United States, you can call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 800-799-7233. This 24-7 confidential hotline connects you with trained advocates who can provide resources and tools to help you get to safety. Okay? And that, you guys, is the end of this article. Okay? And this article was entitled... Uh, come on now. <laughs> How to Recognize the Signs of Emotional Manipulation and What to Do by Kimberly Holland. And that is going to be the conclusion of this episode of Justice Rose. I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to listen to my podcast. I appreciate all of your support on this Just Miss Rose and on my sister podcast As the Massage Table Turns. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you on the next episode of Just Miss Rose. And you remember, don't compare yourself to other people because nobody compares to you. I love you for listening. Have a good one.